This is the Good Things Guy podcast with myself, Brendan DeCute, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy. I'm on a mission to change what the world pays attention to. I truly believe that there's good news all around us, and I spend my time hunting down and reporting on the best good news stories from South Africa and the world. In the Good Things Guy podcast, you'll meet these everyday heroes and hear their incredible stories. We have all seen how COVID-19 has crippled the Italian health system. Lombardy, a region in northern Italy, was the epicenter of the corona pandemic. When Kim Whitaker asked a doctor from Lombardy what they would have done differently at the start of the pandemic, he responded, I would have arranged accommodation for the doctors and nurses in the now-closed hotels. Healthcare workers were exhausted and unable to return home for fear of infecting their families. As a result, they were sleeping poorly and burning out. From this, Ubuntu Beds was founded in South Africa, and Kim has joined us today to talk about that journey. Kim, welcome to the Good Things Guy Jackpot. Thank you so much for having me. Before we get into this amazing concept called Ubuntu Beds, I just want to understand what were you doing beforehand, and how was it possible that you spoke to a doctor from Italy? So, I am a part of an organization called EO, which is Entrepreneurs' Organization. And basically, EO organized this call with entrepreneurs in Italy and entrepreneurs from South Africa and all over the world. And that's how we were able to make contact. It was a Zoom call, very informative. We, there was a Q&A and um, really incredible to see, you know, the, the situation as it was unfolding in Italy mid-March. I mean, it was like dire. And for us in South Africa, we were just getting the first few cases. And so it was really interesting to look into the future and see what they were grappling with. And from a work perspective, because I'm just trying to connect the dots, right? You see that there's a, a need or a problem or a challenge that um, another country was facing. I mean, for them, they were in the middle of this pandemic and we were just sort of starting here in South Africa. And then you realized that this is maybe something that you could do back home. But what is it that you did work-wise before this? So I think it was a bit of everything mixed together. So first of all, at that point in time, I had found out two days earlier that I was in fact COVID positive. And so I'd been through the motions myself of like finding out that I had coronavirus and like, what did this mean? And then also just, you know, the, the repercussions of like the community finding out that I had corona and then, you know, the repercussions of the people that I work with going home and self-isolating or self-quarantining in their homes and the communities. And it was just like very, very raw and real. I think the second thing was my parents are both doctors in their sort of mid-60s and they were like ready to go into battle. Like, you know, this is what we've been training for. We're going to save lives. And I'm like, no, no, that's a terrible idea. Like, please can you consult like over the phone or something? They're like, no, no, this is like, this is what doctors do. I'm like, oh my God, this is not a good idea. And then finally, to answer your question, I actually run hotels. So we've got one in Cape Town and one in Johannesburg called Once. These are hub hotels for young people, once in Joburg and once in Cape Town. And, you know, I could see our occupancy went from like 96% to like 60% the next day to like 45% the next day to like 5% the next day. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as the travel bans came in that very same Sunday, I knew that we were going to be empty within a week. And at the same time, I felt so compelled to help and to do something 
proactive and that call kind of just tied everything together for me you know this is what I've got to do I've got to actually reach out to hospitals and ask them if they need accommodation for their healthcare workers and so that's how it started was was me deciding to like pledge our own hotels for this reason not really giving a lot of thought around the business model but just sort of thinking, well, you know, I have rooms that are standing empty and we need to help somehow. And so that was the beginning of the Ubuntu Bears journey. Well, I mean, we're going to jump around a bit here, but you were diagnosed with COVID-19. You've recovered. You sound fantastic. What was that like? I'm sure there's a lot of South Africans. You you know what the biggest problem I've found during this process is that because the majority of the country are in their houses and locked down and locked away from what is going on in the world, it can feel like COVID-19 is very far, far removed. Like if you speak to people, they are quick to say, I don't know anybody who's had it. And I don't, you know what I mean? So from your experience, was, I mean, was it quite bad? So no, it wasn't bad. That's my, that's my quick answer. And what was it like? It was like having a flu, except for me, not really as bad even. I had like an irritating dry cough, which I assumed was from being on the airplane. You know, it was like just like I wouldn't have taken a day off work, put it this way. And then, you know, it's like overwhelming tiredness for about two or three days, just waking up and being like, like absolutely flattened. And then like in the last week, I lost my sense of taste and smell which was very weird. Like I burnt food like every day. I just burnt everything. So I couldn't smell it burning, you know? So that was a bit of a weird thing. So my, my family ate like, I don't know, microwave dinners. Yeah. And otherwise I really prioritized like keeping healthy, you know, like exercising every day, a little bit in the yard, like sitting in the sun, taking vitamin C, eating ginger, eating garlic, just re- like drinking loads of water. And I decided to try and sort of like positive this thing out of me (laughs) and i just yeah you you sound like an incredibly positive person so i mean and and it's it's great to hear the other side of that i actually in the last podcast i spoke to um, a gentleman who works in the mines and he had the polar opposite of you so he was incredibly sick he lost two weeks of his life that he couldn't remember and he was in icu like it was just really insane but I'm guessing that maybe perhaps health and age are things that come into play here because he was, he was quite a little bit, a little bit older. Did you yeah, find, definitely. we'll get into Ubuntu beds now, but I'm so interested by this. Did you at all get shunned by anybody when they found out that you, you had it? Cause I've also heard of this weird thing where people are, it's, they're so afraid of this virus that if they find out that, that someone has it, they change their attitude towards that person. Did you, did you get, were you on the receiving end of that at all? So I'll open up by saying that like overall, we were overwhelmed by the amount of kindness shown to us. Like we had people like chucking over groceries and flowers over our wall, like every wow. day. So that was, that was like the, the broad takeaway was that people were just so supportive. I think the second thing was that, yes, there were two instances where we were shunned or like this broader, but we managed it in the following way. So the first one was my doctor. The first thing she said was, you know, if you're going to be self-isolating with your kids, which we've got two young kids and we decided like, we're going to just self-isolate as a family pod. We're not going to put me in a room and I'm not going to see them for three weeks. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, she said, the first thing you need to do is you need to communicate to the school like ASAP because the kids will overhear their parents saying, you know, Kim 
who's like this girl's mom has got corona and before you know it like when your kids go back to school it'll be on the playground when yeah. your mom had corona and yeah. so that was really sage advice so i wrote an email to the whole school being like yes i have corona i'm really sorry we've had to close the school now because i ended i, I popped into the school so they had to close it down please if you'd like here's some here's some useful information like please have an open conversation with your kids and like just be aware that bullying can be like a repercussion, like an, an unintended consequence. And everyone was amazing. They were like, of course we'll do this. And it's been like a non-issue since wow. that, that was the first time. But it was something that I hadn't considered, right? I hadn't considered like how would my, my children be treated by their friends. Yeah, which I, and then the second never, is, yeah. that's not your first go-to. I wouldn't even think of that. No, like, so, so I think that was like really good, good sage advice from my GP. And then the second thing was because I had come home very briefly after returning and like, I landed 8am from Germany, went home, dropped my bags off, like had a cup of coffee and then went straight to work. And because I'd come home, I'd had contact with our, with our nanny. And so she had to go into self-quarantine with her whole family. And that was quite challenging like interesting i'll say it interesting she lives in a community in cape town called impolini and that was like mid-march and back then there weren't any sort of community infections yet or you know everyone was like worried and waiting for it and essentially she basically her kids school got closed down because this like rumor went around that an umfalini mother and her two children are in hospital because they're covid positive which wasn't the case she was a PUI, like a person under investigation, and she'd been asked to stay into self in self quarantine because I was positive. So suddenly, the media was calling her, like the Domestic Workers Association of South Africa, the unions were calling her because they heard that like we'd been mistreating her, oh and and then like all these news are like like pretty reputable like online news sources like posted first community infection like you know listed yeah. in Umfaleni like Umfaleni mother test positive. And she's like freaking out. She's like, Kim, you know, now Mike. So then her friends and family stopped, or her community stopped delivering groceries to her. Like her kids' friends were like messaging them, like, we don't want to be your friend anymore because you've got corona. And it was like so hectic to see how quickly things unfolded and to see how quickly people make decisions on like absolutely impartial information. Yeah. And she was so brave. She stood up and was like, I do not have Corona. Like I don't have coronavirus. you know, my boss has got coronavirus and, and we're just staying home as a precaution. So that was pretty wild. I must say. And if you, if you type in Mfoleni Corona positive woman into Google, you'll see all the, all the um, news articles, which mention in mid March that there's a community infection, which was not true. So that was yeah. pretty interesting. You know, I mean, working in media, we see this often when things get blown out of proportion completely. And it's just incredibly sad that there's no regard for the fact that there's a human at the end of that and that there's a person that is going to be impacted by such by putting a news headline out there. So, I mean, that's terrible. And it wasn't me, but I do apologize for it. I think that's, that's quite tragic. Yeah, but I think that's the, you know, I think those are the realities that we are facing still on a, you know, in many different communities around South Africa. You know, I think that's the reality of many people who are testing positive or who are PUIs. And that's where talking about Ubuntu Beds is one of the things that we're really proud to be able to help with, you know, 
is getting people into safe spaces and getting them out of spaces where they either can't self-isolate or self-quarantine or where they feel unsafe. Yeah. And I mean, that was the whole point of this discussion is you had all of this stuff going on at the same time. And then you decided to create something which I think is absolutely beautiful, a space for doctors and nurses and frontline workers to get the rest and recuperation that they need, as well as helping, I guess, the hotels and the, the B&Bs and all the different Ubuntu beds that become available, because they'll be able to stay in business then at the same time. Am I correct in saying that? Yes, absolutely. You know, and, and I think that there's so many people who own B&Bs, guest houses, hotels around South Africa who, like, you know, at the moment, obviously, they're no tourists. But on the same breath, they really want, there's such a spirit of hospitality, which is that they want to look after people and they want to help. And if we can get those things right and pay them a minimum, you know, like a, a reasonable minimum amount of money so that they can keep their expenses covered and keep their small staff complement employed, then, you know, that's a great win-win for everyone. Yeah, no, completely. One of the questions that I had when we put this interview together was how did you get around the regulations? Because obviously in the hard lockdown um, and even now in, in level three, hotels are not really allowed to be open, but how did you get around those regulations? So I think even before we launched, I had a very, very good relationship with the Department of Tourism and they've been really amazing at like guiding me through how this all works. So it's interesting because hotels are not allowed to be open for leisure, but even through, you know, lockdown level five, four, three, two, one, they are allowed to be open for essential workers. So if you think about, for example, the army being deployed, police being deployed, ESCOM workers having to like work on power stations, even in level five, life carried on. And especially with restrictions in public transport, et cetera, the demand for accommodation to service these kind of essential workers was huge. And so hospitality organizations have been running the whole way through all the levels. It's just not in a leisure capacity, which is what they normally do. So you'll find, for example, hotels that are normally, I don't know, like resorts, for example, since like the big early days of lockdown were hosting repatriation flights and doing quarantine facilities or doing self-isolation facilities for people who couldn't self-isolate at home. So these kind of accommodations have been available. They've been sort of set up since right since the beginning and the regulations have been coming out and changing like very frequently as we learn more about the virus and I guess the most important thing is just to keep everyone updated so you know constantly referring back to the World Health Organization guidelines constantly updating you know for example now TBCSA, which is the Tourism Business Council South Africa, has released guidelines on how one should function from level three. Then there's quarantine and self-isolation regulations that were issued end of March already from the Department of Health, which is how one should manage self-isolation or self-quarantine facilities, etc. So there are guidelines. They're pretty onerous. We've been trying to sort of simplify them and make them into checklists and bite-sized chunks that are easier to consume. But yeah, that you know, it's it's a lot of back and forth, a lot of working with government departments and private individuals and hotel groups and small B&Bs. And it's just a lot of back and forth and everyone's sort of collaborating towards a common goal to get things done, which has been awesome. 
you said in the beginning of the interview that you started off with your own properties that you worked with, the ones in Cape Town and once in Joburg. You started off very small. What number are we sitting on now with um, establishments that have, have sort of gotten involved and are part of this Ubuntu Beds idea? Yeah, so basically we're on around 847 properties around South Africa, which amounts to over 15,000 beds. And that's growing like every day. We've had around 522 healthcare workers sign up and more and more signing up every day. We've hosted almost 100 healthcare workers already, anything from like one night to one month. So like it's really starting to to increase at the moment. Kind of unfortunately, as the virus starts increasing and, and, and the spread is, is increasing, we're seeing more and more healthcare workers actually needing um, Ubuntu beds. So those are the current numbers. And as I said, like you know, we encourage people to sign up on our website, which is UbuntuBeds.org. And there you can sign up as an accommodation provider, as a host. So for example, if you've got an apartment or a guest house or a B&B, you can go and sign up there. Or if you're a healthcare worker, you can also sign up to find accommodation close to your hospital. And we've got all the hospitals in the country listed and we're sourcing accommodation close to all of them. And then I see there's also three other ways where you can help as a South African, because obviously now is the time to really bring Ubuntu to life as South Africans. And we do see it. I always say in times of tragedy, we need to look for the helpers. They're the heroes that we should be celebrating and working with Good Things Guy. I have the best job because I get to tell these amazing stories every day of people like you that are making a difference for Mm -hmm. others. But there's also on your website, there's a way for a South African who might not have an apartment to help as well. Absolutely. So as I said, the, the first way is like if you have a room, go and sign it up. The second is to contribute. So I must say that this whole initiative would not be possible if it wasn't for some pretty incredible brands and, and people and minds who've just stepped up and, and helped. For example, Nicework, which is an agency in Joburg, just jumped on board the minute they heard about it and like did the whole website and the logo and everything. And they're still like helping us every single day. Or for example, legalese who do all our legal work. They like heard about it. We reached out. They're like, we're on board. We're going to help you do this. And the list goes on Esri, which is, which has done all our map functionality, Rainmaker, which is a platform that does all the booking for us. So they've just jumped in and they've said, you know what, we're prepared to do this like for bono. We will contribute towards making this platform a reality. And we wouldn't be able to do that without it. We've had yoga teachers doing 30-minute meditations for healthcare workers, all kinds of amazing contributions, just like letters of support, anything that you can offer, it goes a long way. And then finally to donate, we are raising funds at the moment. So we've currently got about 26 healthcare workers who are needing urgent accommodation. And so we are fundraising to cover their costs because we believe that it should always be free for the healthcare worker. So if you know anyone who is, you know, wanting to donate to a really great cause, we are a Section 18A company or a nonprofit. So, you know, there's all the information on the website as well. And yeah, that will go a long way to really making sure that we can help as many people as possible. Our goal is to accommodate two and a half thousand healthcare workers in South Africa during this crisis. Well, I, I applaud you and I'm thankful for people like you. You've created a really, really amazing initiative. 
And um, we're at the beginning of something right now. As levels um, change and as more of society gets out there and starts moving around and schools open and all those things, we're going to see higher numbers. I mean, the numbers are, are growing every day. Whenever I log in and look, there's more people that are contracting COVID and more people that are getting sick. And there's more health healthcare workers and, and frontline staff that are going to need this as a service. And I just think what you've done is really, really inspiring. There's, Thank you. I always say there's like there's 7.5 billion people in the world. And at any given point, there's at least 100,000 people that are thinking the exact same thought as you, that have the exact same idea as you. And the difference mm. between a dream and, and making something a reality is just that action. And the fact that you took that one step to create this and put it into action is really beautiful. And I, I just applaud you. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. But I must say that I watched a beautiful uh, like video the other day of this like random guy dancing at a music festival, like all by himself, some like crazy whack dance. And people are just looking at him like, what are you doing? And then one guy joins him and they start dancing together. And then suddenly like 50 people join him and then it becomes 100 and suddenly the whole festival is dancing. And I think that it must be said that I think it's the first follower who really makes a movement, you know, and I think in, in my case, I've been so lucky because the amount of people who've shown support like yourself and the amount of people who have jumped on board as the team to help and just like throw themselves into this project has been so overwhelming. And I think that's what I'm constantly reminded about is that a movement is started by the first, by the first follower, you know. I see you all over the place now and um, your press releases get sent to me by many different people. So, so thank you. And thank you to all your team members and, and everybody that's gotten involved. It's really, really cool. One more time. Um, where do people go if they want to get involved? So you can reach out to us uh, via our website, which is ubuntubeds.org. We also have got, if you want to send us an email, it's info at ubuntubeds.org. And if you want to reach us on our business WhatsApp, the number there is 071-300-1672. Kim, thank you so much for your time. Um, and it's been great it. having you on the show. And yeah, I just want to wish all the, the listeners only good things over this time. It can feel tough. It can feel overwhelming. But never forget that there are really good human beings doing really good things. And we get to tell those stories. Thank you very much, Kim. Thank you. Take care. Stay positive and corona negative. I'm Brendan Dickey, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy, and you've been listening to Good Things Guy, a Jackpot podcast. For more episodes or to subscribe, rate, or review my podcast, go to iTunes, Iona FM, or Google Podcasts. Be kinder than necessary to yourself and each other. Thanks, and only good things. <laughs>